This episode is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA Homeowners Insurance not only helps you cover your home, it also helps you cover your budget, lower your premium in a number of ways, like saving up to 10% when you bundle home and auto insurance, saving up to 15% if you've been claims-free for five years, regardless of your previous insurance provider, and scoring even more deals and discounts on things like home security, moving, and storage with the USAA Perks Program. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers Podcast with your hosts, Andy Holloway, Jason Moore and Mike Wright. Oh, welcome in. Excited to have you with us, the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. Jason Moore, Mike, the Fantasy Hitman, right? I'm Andy Holloway. Jason is in writing position. What is happening over here? Well, I'm just, you know, doing some research. Just doing some stats. Doing some stats on uh, our quick question here coming up. All I see is the price of Bitcoin down on your... <laughs> is that what that is? That is not. Oh, okay. All right. Welcome in one and all. We've got a fun show. Uh, the 10 Things to Remember episode. Fresh off of a, uh, a, as far as I'm concerned, fantastic season of fantasy football. Oh, it, I mean, great year. Great year, right? Great year. The, great Champ. year for the show. Great year for me personally. Yeah, I mean, just uh, I had a good time. So uh, there's lots to remember. I mean, Jason, you probably lots remember, to remember. You I remember. remember the playoffs. and I remember my championship. I, I think Papa what? Josh. In 2022. When was that? <laughs> Papa Josh, you probably remember a lot from this past year too, right? I mean, you were you had a good time. It was a great time, except for the ending. Yeah, so, so we're doing our 10 things to remember. Jason, did you uh, – did all of your items this year on the show, as we count them down later, did they all come from your uh, little black book? Um, yeah, basically. This this year, uh, it was one of those things where I wanted to remember them in the moment because we never we we're all goldfish, uh, other than Mike. Uh, right, Mike. That's has why a steel I don't trap. even remember your championship from twenty twenty two. Right, thank you. Um, you know, so it's like when I when I see these lessons. In fact, one of the things that I am bringing up today was something I told Brooks on the show, mid-show. I was like, hey, Brooks, you got to remind me to bring this up on the things to remember because it was a lesson we had learned, and I'm like, There's a, this is something I can't forget. I forgot all about it. So Brooks brought it up. Brooks brought it up because wow. that was his job. He, uh, he was ordered to do it, and he, he obeyed well. Um, and so, yeah, thank you, Brooks. So, when Jay, when you are uh, post-mortem, We'll, just, we'll put it that way. Is uh, is your little black book going to be the thing that's auctioned off? Yeah, probably. Probably. Like, you know, like yeah, the like, celebrity stuff. Or is like, it just numbers and stats or and, and little notes? Or little do you have some memoirs, memoirs in there? No, it's all like, it's, it's, it's today. I got one for you. Okay. Uh, today I traded CeeDee Lamb for Jalen Waddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that in there? No. Oh. Less of a diary. Okay. It's yeah. it's just pictures of stick men. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's that's, nothing in that book, man. There's oh my nothing. gosh, I, that's the great <laughs> trick. All these years later, you've no never, one has you've never written anything in it. Actually, seen inside, so you don't know what the contents are. And someday after I die, you're gonna go over there and you're gonna open the book and you're gonna turn page by page. You're gonna say, "This book is empty." <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> d- these are all blank pages. There's literally nothing in this book. Just a few Braveheart quotes in there. Um. We're excited about today's show. Can't wait to get into it. Got a quick question that was snuck in here by Kyle that we'll get to in a moment. <laughs> uh, quick reminder, it's the last day. Oh, the last the day. last one. Yeah, it's your last chance. Get into uh, or head over to ultimatedraftkit.com. Um, you have a chance to come play with us in the Listener League. If you order by March 1st, uh, you've got yourself a shot at playing with us, trying to take out Mike. The fantasy hitman in the listener league. You can league. try, and you may succeed. You might, and uh, so we've got kind of the best price right now. Chance to jump into the dynasty pass. Uh, you can learn more about that at ultimatedraftkit.com. Clock's ticking. The quick question that Kyle snuck in is because we had some conversation briefly on Slack, and you know some people are just Debbie Downers and don't want to. <laughs> Look on the bright side of anything, well, but some of us are Randy realists. Ooh, know, is that, that was, what you? That was the first bad. name that, that popped bad. in my head. Uh, so the question is: Is there hope for Jamison Williams in 2024? Is he worth a late round pick in redraft? And this all came out of head coach Dan Campbell uh, at a press conference was <laughs> asked about Jamison Williams, and like his quote is: "He's going to push to be a full time starter, <laughs> and that's what we're looking for." Everyone grows at a different rate. Maybe it, it's taken him a little bit longer. He's developing. He's come uh, on. We have high hopes for him, etc. Now, to the to the haters, this is just like a big uh, sarcasm, uh, you know, party because it's like, wow, the guy you drafted at twelve has a chance to uh, be a starter. You Trade, drafted, traded up for. Yeah, the guy you drafted at so 32. So I see which side you both are on. At 32, 34, and 66. Just, those were the picks used to just convert need them. full context of how hilarious yeah. it is for a head coach to be saying about a player going into year three, drafted 12th. The 12th player drafted. It's is not, trying to be a full-time he's gonna, starter. He's going to make a push. He's, gonna, he's, he's gonna going to make a, for it. He's going to make a push to be a full-time starter. That's, so, so I know which side both of you are on, which is to well, make fun of this comment. But yeah, this is a player that didn't play until, what, 13 weeks into his rookie season. It was basically a lost season. Mm-hmm. Last year didn't play until week five. Right. So I'm not saying – and this is him acclimating to a team that had an identity without him that was a winning football team that obviously he is not he has not matured as fast as maybe some have hoped, but he also missed a significant amount of time. I the whole argument of like you can read this quote and be like, well, that's awesome because we all watched him play football, and when he had snaps and opportunities, he made big time plays at the NFL level. He just didn't get a lot of those opportunities last year. That's yeah. that's my view. I mean, he he had significant plays in the playoffs and in the regular season. There weren't a lot of them. So when you tell me, hey, this guy who's super explosive, like, I mean, he has the physical ability of a Jalen Waddle, right? Yeah, absolutely. He can go out, he can, he big plays, doesn't need as many uh, opportunities as other players because his plays are going to be big ones. And you tell me he might be on the field every time. 
I have a little bit of optimism. When he was coming out, he was my number two ranked wide receiver. The talent, the speed, you know, outrageously high ceiling. Um, I totally understand, obviously, missing most of your rookie season. You you knew that with his injury. And, and I do get the fact that when he came in, you know, he missed the first four weeks this last year. And when he got back due, on the due to suspension, just right, in case right. people uh, he were wondering, bet, what he, a betting yes, suspension, he, yes. not not performance enhancers, uh, made some dumb bets and got suspended. So week five, he comes in and he comes into a team that, like you said, Andy was they were established, they were winning, they were they were succeeding. The offense was clicking, and so you didn't necessarily have to have him come in and and say, well, now that we got this guy, let's change let's change who we are. Now they've got a whole off-season program. They can integrate him more. I I think is there hope for Jamison Williams? Yes, there is hope. There is a clear path. If I have to be a betting man and say, "Do I believe he's going to hit to the ceiling that he has?" I would bet against that because he still has been on the field a lot. The after the bye week when they had that chance to integrate him a little bit more, they did he was on the field after the bye week for was at nine total games he was on the field for over 60 percent of the snaps 61 percent from week 10 on yeah and so yeah. And, and he had one game where he scored 10 fantasy points he averaged yep. six and a half fantasy points he didn't do pretty much jack squat with all those reps so okay you get him up to 80 percent you know maybe that's him being a full-time player he's gonna need to do more not just snaps on the field but more with his snaps on the field, his targets per route run, um, you know the the behind the scenes metrics they're just not good. And and when you've seen a player on the field as much as him, I know it feels like we haven't seen him on the field, but that's the point and that's the problem. He's been on the field and you haven't seen it. He's been on the field some. He's been on the field some. a lot, some for mm. and very few. I mean, the targets started to go up at the end of the year, so he had some games where he was getting targeted more. You're talking about a top 12 pick in the NFL draft. I'm not writing him off with – he has basically a season worth of games, right? I mean, he played yeah. a handful of games in his rookie year, and then he missed the beginning of this one, so he's got a, a year full of uh, of games. So, look, hope, that's a that's a pretty easy bar to say, okay, we think he's, he's got some hope. What does it translate to? So here's the ironic thing, the second part of the quick question was, is he worth a late-round pick in redraft? Absolutely. So we're going to talk about that on today's episode. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got an answer. So okay. my answer now is yes. Yeah, the I, – I like players like Jamison Williams next year as a flyer more than I like taking some run-of-the-mill veteran that has a baseline of catches that won't do anything to help me win my league. So my opinion for, for but Williams. But you're saying my opinion might change based on what you say. Uh, his best ball ADP, Kyle's giving it to us right now. He says wide receiver 49 in the ninth round. That's absolutely at that point. You, what are the signs of life for anybody? What are the signs of talent? So when Mike, I am perfectly fine with that. Yeah, when Mike gets to his first thing to remember, this this applies. Yeah, it, it actually multiples for him. So his uh, his targets per route run or yards per route run through two years is at 1.42. I'm actually we're going to highlight a couple things later on in the show, talking elaborating more uh, about that. And is that a red flag, green flag? Those those types of things. But it the quote is just hilarious. Like it's that's all that that's what it is to me. It, this this conversation is 
It's unfortunate the way that the career has gone for Jamison Williams. But for your coach to say a guy drafted number 12 overall is pushing to be a starter, it, it tickles my funny bone. But in the ninth round, I'm all for that. And also, oh, the, the last thing I forgot to mention, right now Josh Reynolds is a free agent, which Josh Reynolds is not a superstar, but Josh Reynolds had a very distinct role for this Lions offense. And if Jamison Williams can take over that role and expound upon it by being a better talent on the field, Good things could yeah, happen. He had uh, Josh Reynolds will be the freest of agents after those drops. <laughs> Josh Reynolds played seventy-one percent of the Lions' snaps. This there week. you go. News and notes from around the league. Oh man, I forgot the <laughs> I forgot the playoff game. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Oh um, no. Johnu Smith has been released. The Falcons uh, saving some money, letting Johnu go. He made thirty-five million dollars over the last three years. Good for you, Johnu. Uh, and and his entire job for those three years was to make Hunter Henry and Kyle Pitts managers upset. <laughs> that was all he was doing, yes. uh, because no one ever started. Stay away from the Chiefs, Johnu. Don't you dare. Oh yeah, MVS. Uh, I do. I do think this is actually news for Kyle Pitts, though, because you know Kyle Pitts. It was also reported that. He is healthy from his knee yeah, we did injury. Yeah. Um, we know they're going to have a quarterback change. It's TBD on that. But Kyle Pitts now becomes the tight end. You know, there's not a secondary tight Because Johnu Smith took a lot of work away and was kind of in the role that we wanted to see more opportunities for Pitts in, like the easy stuff. Give Pitts some of the easy stuff. Don't just fly him down the field. Obviously, a new offensive scheme coming in. But I think we'll see Kyle Pitts used better and get, uh, right. obviously, Jason's more of back the in. I, I, I feel myself inching back uh -oh. in. The yeah. Chiefs released Marquez Valdez-Scantling, saves uh, them. Two-time Super Bowl champion. $12 million. Um, key cog uh, about, uh, on a couple of plays. And uh, goodbye. Sayonara. They're working to get Chris Jones locked up. That's sure. that's the big agenda. And you know that because they franchise-tagged Legereus Sneed, and they have now given him permission to seek a trade, which he will do, and I think he will find, and then he'll get paid. And so they are uh, willing to let him go, potentially. The, the mock drafters out there, mock as in real NFL draft, man, they are tantalizing us all with some, with some wide receiver names at the end of the first that would cause quite a stir. Oh, I, we've, seen, we've seen 10 of them, and, yeah. I, and, and that's the Clyde spot. So beware. <laughs> That's where Clyde Edwards-Alaire shows up. Yeah. It's not going to stop me from being excited. It's true. You take a first-round wide receiver there, and you put him with Mahomes in a place well, where let, he let needs it. Let me test it out. Hold on. Troy Franklin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen Franklin, Worthy, Brian Thomas. Um, I've seen uh, Adonai Mitchell. Um, the list goes on. We've got uh, – you know, we'll see who Patrick – if Patrick Mahomes has a recommendation – yeah, don't, don't stay away. Stay away. Don't go away it. from that one. Yeah, uh, you make the pick. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> Let the team do its thing, man. All right. Uh, the Buccaneers are moving towards re-signing Mike Evans, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Jason Light. Uh, <laughs> I like that you're on board with it. Now. It's fun to. You think. have no choice. What, I mean, he's a, he's a my guy. Yeah. I mean, um. He says uh, their GM said, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that he's a buck. Including releasing Shaq Barrett. Yeah, which they did. Yeah. So 
Uh, and then Chris Ballard said uh, on Wednesday that Michael Pittman will be on the Colts. Yeah. That we built this city. And he said whether that's via franchise tag or contract extension. So Higgins, hey, Pittman, probably man. not going anywhere. He's money. Yeah, he's, he, you were you said that he'd get paid. I wasn't positive. Oh, but. he's going. He will get paid. All right, any other news, Brooksy? You got anything for us? No, sir. All well, right. did you see Zach Wilson? He, oh, he was granted yes. permission to seek a trade. Which oh, I, I saw news. that, and I thought Groundhog Day was going on because I, I thought that was news like a month ago. All right, so like, did it? Am I misremembering that, or did they put it out I there? I don't. And there were that. no takers, so they're just like doing a whole new press cycle, <laughs> like it never. Like happened. the guy who puts the guy in the trading block <laughs> the next week yes. after no one makes him any offers. Yeah. They're like, hey, check ever, this out. I got a player who you may be interested you in. You ever pulled the guy off the off the trading block on Sleeper? Because then if you put him back on yeah, the block, notifies it, sends, everyone? it sends another notification. Who hasn't done that? I hope they start reporting. For the first time ever, we are <laughs> making Zach Wilson available. Are, are like USFL teams allowed to trade for NFL players? Uh, I don't know. Because I think that could happen. Yeah, I don't think the market's going to be teeming with interested parties. Not at that contract. Although we know that there are some coaches that think that they can do special things, and if a player is drafted as high as Zach Wilson, they might give up a sixth or seventh round pick for him. Oh, man. Whoops. But then he might have to play for you, and that's really where the rubber meets the road. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, hit the 10 things to remember. This episode is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance is the award-winning service to give you just that. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. You can do it all right in the USAA app, and replacement cost coverage comes standard. That means damaged items are repaired or replaced, even if they cost more today than they did when you bought them, which could put your wallet at ease to tap the banner or visit usaa.com homeowners. To learn more and get a quote, restriction supply. This episode is brought to you by The Deal. The line between business and sports is getting blurrier by the day. To understand it all, check out The Deal, a podcast co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Derek Jeter, Maria Sharapova, and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, business, media, and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, listen to new episodes of The Deal on Spotify every Thursday. Uh, this just in, uh, Zach Wilson still hasn't found a new home. Oh, I thought you were going to... Zach Wilson allowed to... Seek a trade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, he's... Uh, Breaking news. You know, honestly, if I was, you know, Joe Douglas, I, I would seek the trade myself. Yeah. I really wouldn't leave it up to Zach. I would go get it done. All right, let's get going. Can you put him on eBay? <laughs> Don't forget to remember these things. All right. Well, this should be fun. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what you guys have in store. I have not previewed any of your different things to remember. Okay. I hope we're not remembering the same things then. <laughs> uh, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, there's a possibility that we that we are. And if we are, Mike, uh, 
Just do the whole Jets, Zach Wilson trade thing. You got just, it. Just say it like it's brand new. All right. Um, looks like we're going to kick it off here at number. Number 10. Number 10. Quarterback loyalty gets you zero fantasy points. And um, that was really, really true this year. It's something to remember Boy, moving, was it. moving forward. Um, because last year we saw a resurgence in a willingness to draft some quarterbacks early, right? For that, that we had just come off the Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes year. And um, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, Aaron Rodgers had like a, a, a ton of seasons at number one. And, and so he felt like a, a completely sure thing where you would draft him for, for a number of years in fantasy. So there was some willingness last year, but I'm going to tell you right here, right now, if you draft a quarterback early or even in the middle of the draft, it is very natural to feel like you are committed to that player. You're drafting a onesie position, so you only start one quarterback if you're non-superflex. And a lot of the times, you know, we, we spend months preparing for our drafts, and we, we think we have conviction about a certain player, and we take them. And if you take them at quarterback, you're naturally taking a big name, right? These are the headline makers in the NFL. They're the ones that uh, make or break games. And so, you know, even if you're taking a Justin Herbert and, and he's the sixth quarterback off the board, that's a big name. You feel committed to those players this year. Patrick Mahomes was the was the number one quarterback off the board. He was the quarterback 19 from week eight on. Now, Josh Allen was great. Jalen Hurts, pretty good, although it slowed down at the end. Lamar Jackson was the quarterback 17 for a six-game stretch. Uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert both got hurt. Justin Fields missed time. Trevor Lawrence was not good. Deshaun Watson missed time. And was not good. And was not good. If you show loyalty to players – at the quarterback position for too long, you cost yourself. People won championships this year with Dak Prescott, who really didn't start the year well at all, was a 10th quarterback off the board in the late eighth round, and there were a lot of people hesitant to move on from players that they drafted. I mean, Russell Wilson was somebody that was a relatively interesting pick for people to make you know, last year, and if you had been loyal to Russell Wilson last year when you saw things going – downhill in Denver he was that cautionary tale then this year you had a number of those guys Trevor Lawrence I think would fit that mold a lot he ended the year so strong and people were probably starting Trevor Lawrence too long yeah I think the best example from this last year of of remember this for next year that things don't stay the same at the quarterback position is the Dak Prescott and Tua conversation because the first five weeks of the seat once you're five weeks in and you're going into week six you feel like you understand everything. You feel like, oh, I got it. I know, I know who's what's what. And Tua was like locked in every week. You've got to start him. He was the quarterback five. Dak worthless. He was the quarterback twenty one. It's like you, you know, we, we know, we know how this season's going to end. Tua's a superstar and Dak sucks. And then if you played that out and you just stayed put and you had the loyalty, the brand loyalty to the quarterbacks that started hot or that you drafted high. It uh, it did not work out outside of Josh Allen, right? And and in even Mahomes, right? It wasn't just these like later picks like Tua and Dak. Like Mahomes was the hardest on people, yeah, because you felt completely stuck. Um, I I know that you know a lot of people that had Mahomes also had C.J. Stroud, right? They picked him up off of the waiver wire, and then it was like, well, I'm never going to start him over Patrick Mahomes. Like loyalty to the quarterback position 
year after year, unless you hit on the one or two guaranteed MVPs of that year, which do fluctuate, right? It was Lamar, but how many years have we had undue loyalty to Lamar that actually cost you? I mean, the first two years after his MVP campaign, people started him no matter what, and they literally lost games because of it. So have a willingness, I would say. It's not a necessity that you pivot because of one bad game. I'm not saying that. I'm saying having have a willingness and hold, you know, have a, a loose grip on the quarterback you draft, be willing to play the field, and when you see these offenses change and become better, believe maybe a little bit yep. that you can play those guys. Yeah, I'm actually hit the number. Number nine. I'm gonna move one of mine around because it just it kind of piggybacks on what Andy was talking about. And I'm saying for this one, don't get cocky. Your team always, always has to get better. And in the, what I'm saying in there is sometimes there are moves that you need to make that are not your typical move where like, we don't – you know, resource management of fantasy football. I don't like to roster two quarterbacks. I don't like to roster two tight ends. You're saying don't get cocky with the, with the, team, with you the have. team that you yeah, have. Yeah, even if you're having success – and because there could be players out there available for you that you feel like, mm, my team is good. I don't need that player. I don't – and, uh, again, to piggyback here is I had the inverse of what the successful quarterback move was. I had Tua. I traded for Tua when, when things were looking good. And I talked on this show about my belief that Dak Prescott was about to – go on a huge run because the schedule looked so fantastic for him. Dak was sitting on my waiver wire, and I like I f believed to my core of all my analysis that, no, Dak is going to go on a run, but I don't need him because I have Tua. I don't need to go pick up Dak, and that was idiotic. Like I should have made, the, if, if nothing else, to block my opponents – from getting a quarterback who I think is about to be fantastic. Thank you for not remembering You're welcome. That. I had well. one of those, Mike. <laughs> I had a guy that was on fire. He was catching fire four weeks in a row. Looked like the real deal. His name was Josh Downs. And you made me a very easy trade offer to yes. get, Oh my gosh, I forgot about yeah, that. To get Michael Pittman for very I, cheap. For very cheap. And but your team was good. But you my didn't team need was good. to do it. I did not need to do it. I was solid. And had I done it, I think uh, your I'd season be, looks a lot different. Looks a lot different. But, like sometimes that is, I should have just picked up the second quarterback. It's not a move I normally make, but I need to be prepared. I, uh, leaving more and more, I'm getting comfortable with the idea of leaving my draft with two tight ends, just for week one. Have a guy where that I believe in this player, and then maybe a player where. Um, Let's see what happens. I like. I'll, let's see what happens. Let's talk about the the the, the beginning of the season. Uh, we did a, and uh, this is not supposed to be a, a full toot toot thing, but we always do an undrafted gems, Got, like guys to look out for. They might be on your waiver wire after the draft is already over. And I, I'm like, dude, Jake Ferguson and Sam Laporta, both of their schedules to open are basically the number one and number two uh, tight end schedule that we with the data we have. And both of those players went on to be really important and got off to, you know, pretty good starts. And it's – your team is not as good as you think it is. It takes 
one tiny thing to go wrong, and if you're not prepared and on already making moves Can to I, get things poor, uh, yeah, please. I was just going to give you another example, which is like a, a perfect example would be somebody who started the year with Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne as their two running backs. It would be easy to say, I got it figured out at the, right. at the running back position and not add or not build some depth behind them, and then boom. And that's my my kind of final point here is talking about the your fab or your waiver priority. You too often you you as I'm talking about myself as well. I'll look at my roster. Well, I really need. I got to figure out this wide receiver problem I have. I'm so good at running back. I'm not even worried. But the top two pickups of the week say are running backs, and then I don't go hard after them because I think I'm good at that position, and someone else gets. Kyron Williams in week one, you know, just as the easiest example, because you think you're good. I don't need to go after Kyron. And that was an incredibly bad mistake because it just takes one injury to one of your two starting running backs and you're not it don't get caught up and just don't don't get overwhelmed and fall in love with the smell of your own farts. Looking at your <laughs> roster, always be trying to improve it. Yeah, it is uh it is one of the great illusions of fantasy football that what you're staring at, that perfect, beautiful specimen of a roster in week four, that's four and zero. the greatest illusion is that you are going to get to see what that team will do in the playoffs. Yes. Because it doesn't happen. It almost never happens. I cannot remember a team. I mean, my dynasty team last year seemed we were talking about how lucky I was getting with injuries week ten, twelve. Uh, yeah. 13 and the shoe finally dropped right so yeah it, it is a good thing to remember that um look when the roster looks nice take a picture but it's not going to last very long yes prepare yourself number eight this one's called smell your own farts good ain't bad oh, okay sorry <laughs> that's sorry. right good ain't bad remember that yeah um young stud players who have proven themselves on the NFL field. They're like they came out and they're like, "Wow, that they're really good. They're sensational." They are not going to go away just because the team brings in depth and more talent. And that's a lesson I needed to learn from this last year, specifically to two players you just mentioned, Andy, Travis Etienne and Kenneth Walker. Both of these teams went out and got a day two running back, high draft capital mm -hmm. for a running back. Tank Bigsby comes into Jacksonville and it was like both Travis Etienne and Kenneth Walker, prior to the NFL draft, were guys we were really, really, really high on. Um, you know, we, we did our early rankings shows, and Kenneth Walker, he's just a stud. But then on in the second round, they go and draft Zach Charbonnet, and you're like, he's ruined. <laughs> Kenneth Walker's ruined. Well, I, I got um, unreasonably mad. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That I, was the maddest you'd been all year. I know exactly where I was <laughs> like you remember I, the moment I remember the moment I was sitting in my office and the news came through and I was a level of mad for a pretend game that I should not have reached yeah it's one <laughs> it's one of those things where I thought for sure that with that kind of draft capital coming in that these running backs would not usurp the talent but just destroy it just destroy the fantasy value and obviously, you know, at the end of the year, Kenneth Walker got injured um, and, and Travis Etienne slowed down a bit, but that wasn't because of this backup that came in. They were both workhorses. They, they were both workhorses because they proved themselves already. We saw it. The NFL team saw it. They, it. Look, if you dominate 
on the field, then you're you're good. You you're, you know. So I think about this year. Like, well, who could that happen to? Like, Kyron Williams dominated this last year. If they go out and spend a day two pick on a running back, I'm still going to be in on Kyron Williams. The team needs depth. Every team needs depth. Um, we just talked about you know don't rest on your yeah. laurels. You know build. Yo, know, you're you're good at running back. No, you're not. You're never good at running back. Go go add someone. Um, and that's true for NFL teams as well. So um, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. There's been so many rumors of uh, the Texans going out and and getting a wide receiver in the draft or going after Mike Evans if if he becomes available or whatever the case is. It's like if, well, Alvin it, Kamara last offseason seemed like he was set up for the worst scenario. You're going to miss time. Mm -hmm. We like Kendra Miller. You add Jamal Williams, and it's Alvin. David yep. Montgomery. You know, they, 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 they spent a huge draft capital. David Montgomery was still very good. If you're a very good player, you're a very good player. And, when, and I want to be less afraid this season about, oh, so-and-so added this player, so now my guy is ruined. No, if the guy's good, He's going to get his. The team is just better. Who was ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn in Tampa when that happened? Because I remember people being afraid of Keyshawn Vaughn in Tampa Bay. I, oh, but I don't I, remember who the starter was. I don't know if it was – it was probably Fournette at the time. I, that I think that checks out. But, I mean, it, that was – you know, draft season's very fun. The NFL, it's the bright lights. It takes over the whole world. So, I think it's very easy nowadays – to lose perspective on the way a team is built and pay so much attention to six months worth of rookie and best ball drafts to lose sight of the fact that these players not only perform well on the field, but they also establish relationships with those teams oftentimes. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a big time uh, good reminder to have. Number seven. All right, let's uh, let's look at number seven here. I've titled it uh, "Lose a Trade, Win a Title." I'm excited for this one. Uh, look, I I have a bit of a reputation around these parts as being maybe an aggressive, persistent trader. Mm -hmm. Would you it's agree? A, it's a that's a nice foul that's reputation. a nice way to put it. Yeah, I mean, um, and and one of the things that I think holds a lot of fantasy players up is they are unwilling to lose a trade perceptively. Yes. And I think that that's a, it's a pride thing. Um, it's obviously trying, you're trying to do the work, right? You're trying to make sure that you're on the, the perceived winning side. Everybody wants to win the trade, right? But what do we define winning the trade as? And, um, you know, for me this year, uh, what I think is important is that you want to make sure that you're getting the difference-making player on the roster. We've talked about that before in two-for-one, three-for-one trades. But early in the season for me, what I recognized was that there were two players in my mind that were league winners definitively in fantasy football this year, and they were Amon Ross St. Brown and CeeDee Lamb. And I know that a lot of players that we have in our league, opponents, teams in our league, when you get into trade discussions, sometimes it's like they have to have the last word. Right, They have to have the last tweak to the deal. They have to make sure that they have one little tweak or one little addition, and it can disrupt the ability to get a trade done. And so the thing I want people to remember as they go into next year, if you have that conviction, the conviction that Mike had about Dak Prescott, the conviction that um, many of us have about certain players as you get halfway through the year, if you believe somebody's going to be a difference maker slash league winner, 
What I'm saying is, is be willing to go out and lose a trade in the public's perception, right? In your league's perception to get the trade done. Because You're saying Vontae Mack no matter what. <laughs> Vont yes. Yeah. I'm saying you go Costner. I mean, you go Costner. Yes. If you have yeah, to go Costner. I don't care if I'm I perceived as a winner. I wouldn't trade number one. <laughs> right, right. To do it, but you know. Do it just no matter what. <laughs> Don't get bogged down in the tiny minutia details. Don't get bogged down in the little asks and the pesky additions to the trade. If you want to get these players that are very hard to get, for me it was waiting for a couple of teams to kind of get on the fringe of contention and then throw the kitchen sink at them to guarantee that I can get one of these players onto my roster. You know, we've talked about the philosophy. Obviously, if you do a two-for-one, three-for-one trade, you get to – Go right to the waiver wire and pick up a couple extra names if you've traded three for one. Um, I think sometimes people get worried that they're going to be criticized for the trade that they make. But if you have the conviction, like I did, that CeeDee Lamb was a must-add if I wanted any chance at a championship, be willing to lose the trade in, in the public perception if you want to win a title. It can, it can make the difference. Don't get bogged down. It's not like every player at the moment a trade is being made is going to play the exact same way the rest of the season. I think sometimes people just get stuck and that's why deals don't get done. Yeah, that's fair. Sometimes it's because we're just cowards. Yeah. And and I think that that is, um, it's like the fear of, of the loss is more powerful yeah. than the potential of the victory, but we're not playing to win second or third. And I think it's really important to be willing to, to throw something else and, in to get the player you need. And it's – I would even tack on a thing at the end. Be willing to to lose perceptually lose the trade and just be willing to be, at the end of the day, swing. Like, you may be wrong. I mean, it, it worked for you this time. Yeah, you could be, you can be wrong thing for sure. Is, but – Well, I've done those trades and they get hurt the next week. I mean, that, that kind of stuff can happen. But the point of you're playing to win. You're playing for first place. You're not playing for second. You're not playing for third. So you have to be willing to take some gigantic swing because if you strike out, whatever, man. What it it's not the difference between. But if you hit, it's you're talking about a a forever championship. You are is very hard to win a title. Very it's hard. Very yeah. very difficult. Number six. All right. If the risk is uh, this is not a catchy title, but it's just it's right <laughs> to the point. Uh, if the risk is already built into the ADP, don't be afraid. And we have too many players every single year that we're all nervous about a new situation that has happened to that player. But it's the, the it's fantasy football is the game of economics, and things that happen, we get afraid to draft players. Their ADP goes down, and now the risk of ev of of everyone being correct, it's already baked in there. It's already it's already in there. Some examples. Stephon Diggs with Minnesota was an emerging player where his final three years with the team uh, what finished as wide receiver 20 in 14 games, wide receiver 11 in 15, 21 in 15 games. He gets traded to the Buffalo Bills, which I still think at the time with the information we had, Josh Allen did not look like a franchise quarterback. He was coming off of, I believe, two straight years of being the most inaccurate quarterback in the league. And so we all got nervous about Stephon Diggs, who 
Stefan Diggs looked like a rising superstar who just got banished to a land of mediocrity. And at that time then, he was going in the sixth round as the wide receiver 27. And he has a massive breakout campaign. He has a Josh Allen has the huge, massive breakout campaign. So those that had the courage, which it, that my point being, it, it's not really courage. We were all scared to draft him, and he went in the sixth round. He's drafted as the wide receiver 27. It's like a real Jamison Williams <laughs> type of risk. That, that's what I was talking about yes. earlier. It's like it's baked in if he's in yes. the ninth. It, and that's why I'm in. I, like, I'll draft Jamison Williams in the ninth. If I'm wrong, I don't really lose anything. Jamar Chase as a rookie in 2021, it's laughable at this point. The risk was baked in. He was being drafted in the seventh as the wide oh, receiver gosh. 30. And that, like, that, seems, that seems so ridiculous that that couldn't have, that couldn't have been possible. That we were all so dumb, we let him go into the seventh. He had a lot of drops in preseason. He did, he, and he couldn't catch the ball, and yet he just like Jameson Williams, he was uh, eighty-one for nearly fifteen hundred yards and thirteen touchdowns. Geno Smith takes over as the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson's out. There's panic in the streets. DK Metcalf, yep. who was just the wide receiver twelve, was being drafted in the back of the fourth. Tyler Lockett, who was the wide receiver thirteen previously plummets to the wide receiver 40 because it's impossible. We These guys can't – there's no way to do it with Geno Smith. They're both fantastic. Nope. Mike Evans this past year. Mm -hmm. The risk is if it's baked into the ADP, you have, you have very little to lose and you have so much to gain. It's a lot like the way the stock market moves when you're talking about the risk or the situation it, being yes. baked in because in those situations exactly – so people had played the season out already in their minds yeah, and then come up with the worst possible outcome for all of those players. And then that's exactly where you're drafting them. Um, that's, you know, it, it looks nice now, but that's why Mike Evans was the, the strongest I've ever been convicted about a, my guy ever, which I, I told you guys that mm -hmm. in the studio, yeah, yeah. it was like, you said that on the show it, and it was because he was so, undervalued and everyone had anticipated a guarantee that this is how the season will play out with Baker Mayfield. There was just not a lot of risk to me in, you know, turning to a player like that. And and those examples you brought up are great ones. Um, and identifying those in draft season. Yes. Uh, you know, more of a challenge, you know, trying to find those players that because they're scary. They, yeah, they these, already, they should be scared. And, and, and it feels when you're when you're there and you're at their ADP, you're like, am I going to be the guy to to draft this player that's fallen so far from where they were? Like, doesn't that mean they're old busted and I've got to be wiser? But but you're right. Like, if the risk of them failing means they finish where you're drafting them, <laughs> right? Great. There's only upside. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll take another quick break and come back, Jason. I hope you're ready. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Some things may seem small at the time, but when you keep them inside, when you keep everything bottled up, you leave those emotions to fester, and they can have some serious negative consequences. I know when I was younger, you know, you don't want to always say what's on your mind. You don't want to be seen as ungrateful or insensitive or whatever, but sometimes you bottle those things up too long, and they develop into real problems. Talking things out, Working through what's weighing you down, it is more helpful than you realize. 
And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. I've had therapy. I've had practical, personal advances through therapy, whether I'm learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries personally, how to make better habits in my life. There's a lot of benefit, and you can give BetterHelp a try if you've been thinking of starting therapy. It's entirely online. It's convenient and flexible. It's also easy to get started. You just fill out one brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash footballers to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash footballers. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Number five. Number five. Draft enigmatic backs. Say that again. Draft enigmatic backs. <laughs> is that one word? That's one word. That's Enigm- it is now. Enigmatic backs. Enigmatic backs. Okay. Uh, you want to draft enigmatic backs? And what I mean by that. <laughs> uh, trademark. Yeah. Uh, tra- <laughs> go to that, go to that domain. Um, enigmatic backs. Enigmatic, <laughs> enigmatic backfields are scary. The ones where you, you just don't know who who's the guy. I, I don't know the situation there, um, but yeah. So I just I don't want to go in. Yeah, like I'll I, let someone else figure it out. Exactly, someone else will figure out this. We're, we're not even sure who the running back is, so I don't want to take the shot and then just burn the pick. But the thing is, is most of those backfields don't cost you a heavy pick, and there are always emerging assets from that type of backfield where you're not sure who it is. If you look at this last year. You had the Miami Dolphins. You had a, a, a new undersized rookie in Devon A. Chan coming in, and you had a super old veteran in Raheem Mostert. It's a good offense, but like I don't know, I don't know who the guy is. I don't. I'm just gonna let someone else draft him. That's why they were drafted as the running back 42 and the running back 45. It turns out they were they was okay because they finished as the running back 24 and the running back two. Even if they hadn't. Like even if Raheem Mostert had not finished as a running back too, of course it, hindsight is so easy. But looking back, we all had kind of projected Miami would be a high-powered offense, mm-hmm. and it's someone, some a running back is going to score. It will not be the running back forty something. Yeah, but you didn't know who it's going to be. So yeah. how would you draft him? Just take take your shot, and maybe you're wrong. Like this next backfield. I was I was wrong on this backfield, but I don't I don't have any problem right I- admitting that because I saw I saw the shot for one of these enigmatic backfields, the Rams, Cam Akers and Kyron Williams. You had uh, uh, Dan Graziano on August fourth write this quote: "They they look at Cam Akers and Kyron Williams as their top two backs, likely in that order. The Rams believe both 
can pass protect, but they like Williams a little more as a pass protector than they do Akers. So while Akers is likely the nominal starter, Williams could carve out a role and be the guy they lean on in the run game if something were to happen to Akers. So it's like one of those something happens. <laughs> yeah, something happened. Um, I I I liked Akers. He was the running back twenty one. That didn't work out. But Kyron, if you took him, which some people drafted him very late, or most people picked him up off of waivers, obviously we know what happened there. He was a sensational superstar. Um, you, you've got these situations, and there, it, it's not always like the Kyron Williams and Raheem Mostert number one back coming out, but the, the commanders last year, is it going to be Gibson? Is it going to be Brian Robinson? You know, they were drafted. Brian Robinson was drafted as the running back 36 because of that. It's like, uh, you know. It's a muddy backfield, and you always you you pretty much because of the value of the workhorse, the Christian McCaffrey's and the Saquon Barkley's. You're only looking for like that, <laughs> and and yeah. I think that's sometimes a mistake because there's only a few of them, but there's a lot of running backs you need, so it's okay to take part of a committee where you're not sure who's going to be the lead guy because it's probably a value in the draft. And they will they will rise out of that. Brian Robinson finished as a top twenty four running back. Well, I think especially in the cases of Miami and Los Angeles, the extra layer there is that you have teams that you had tremendous confidence in their running game. You didn't know which running back it would be, but you right. knew that the Rams could run the football. You didn't know which running back it would be in Miami, but you knew that they were going to have an offense that could run the football. And so, I think if you wanted to add an extra qualifier there, yes. you could say like enigmatic backfields, you know, on teams, backs. you know, on teams that have a history of being successful or coaches that would be successful there. All right, we'll move on. Number four. Is this, it is my turn, right? It is. Um, if it's not, it is now. Uh, well, look, I'll be quick. Uh, I've titled this one, the little things kill. It's my favorite Bush song. Oh, that is from, that, that is from a Bush song. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is that is your favorite little things. It's just little things. Yeah. All right. And, um, Look, uh, this is the 10 things to remember. Um, this is something that I literally did halfway through this season. And the reason I'm bringing it up in part is we are going into season 10 next year at the Fantasy Footballers. And, um, you know, I think that there's probably a few people that are a little bit like me in our league of record. Where Ugly. Ugly. Smelly. <laughs> smelly. What else you got, bad guys? Clothes, what bad else? Clothes. Too tall. Bad clothes. Very much too tall. Um, smelly. We're no, we, you we already said that one. one. Uh, Dang it! But really smelly. <laughs> you started off real hot. Look, I had a couple of championships early in the league of record, and if you were listening to the show for a long time, maybe, maybe you started to take your league over, like I thought I was. And um, about halfway through this year. I look. I've been in the midst. I was in the midst of a pretty decent drought of winning championships in League of Record. I had had so much success. Me and Mike played each other in championship games three straight years a mm -hmm, long time ago. Mm -hmm. Things just felt easy for a while, and then they didn't. You want to know why? Because because we started giving them our information. Well, yeah, we did. We started a <laughs> podcast and told them all of our inf information. But the truth is, is that uh, many of you maybe you had success early on listening, but the competition does get better in your leagues, and I wasn't. Honestly, I wasn't willing to accept that. I believe that if I just kept going on the exact same way, it would just all work out like it always had. I'd grown a little bit complacent, and I had to have a meeting about four or five games this year with myself, and it was literally... Did you, did you schedule it? I did schedule it. It's in my Google calendar. Was there and a, I, a mirror? 
Uh, no, Zoom. We did Zoom. Oh, yeah. incredible. So there was Zoom on, in a mirror. Right. Yeah. Um, so look, I had the one-on-one meeting to my, with myself and I said, like, I can't keep doing the same thing I've always been doing. I have to pay attention to the little things if I want to get back over the hump. For me, that meant a little extra free agent prep every week, which look, on this show, we try to help you with a little bit more persistence on the trade offers or finding those players I think can be league winners. Sometimes it's not just about trading a bunch. Sometimes it's about doing the work to figure out who you need to trade for. Not activity that doesn't lead anywhere, doesn't help you. Um, Sometimes it's paying a little bit more attention to some of the dirty work that's not very fun, like playoff schedules for players and future schedules for players. Some stuff is more fun in fantasy than others, but it all helps. Those little things help lead to victories and they add up over time. And so I think a lot of us here, maybe we've had success in the past. Maybe you're like, man, I want a title, but it's been four, five, six years. What am I doing wrong? For me, it was the little things. It was a willingness to reevaluate a few small areas, and it led to success this year. It's obviously very difficult to win in fantasy. So I think those things do add up. The little things kill. Got the Went back to the fundamentals. Yeah, really. Doing his push-ups, grinding. <laughs> That's right. Um, it was the meeting, though. It was the one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really basically, things to remember. Schedule something. Self-meetings. Self-meetings, yeah. Number three. Let's talk a little dynasty fantasy football here. We're going to call this one Know the Thresholds. Because mm. in dynasty, one of the harder things to, to make a decision on is young wide receivers who aren't immediately superstars. When do I know? When do I know that this I I drafted a lemon and I need to move on? When do I know I got to give somebody some pa- uh, some patience here, like Jamison Williams? Do we need to give him patience to grow into the player that the Lions hoped for when they drafted him? Okay. And so we talk about targets a lot on this show as it's an earned statistic, as if a player is is getting open, is building that trust with their quarterback, they're going to get a target. A, a route gives context to just the opportunity that the team is giving them. But players can be out there, uh, MVS style, running routes on every single play. Cardio Kings. Getting like three targets a game. And I you now see where MVS is. He is looking for a new job as they're saying, sir, you have not earned enough targets. We need to look elsewhere. And so we looked back over the last decade. These are at wide receivers drafted in the first three rounds. Because still, draft capital is the king of signal to will, will a player actually be good or not. So here, here are the metrics. This is a little heavy in statistics, but bear with me. Through two years, on average, a first-round wide receiver averages about a 20% target per route run and a 1.68 yards per route run. Second-round wide receivers, their yards per route run at about 1.55 on average. And the third round wide receivers at 1.4. Now these are simply benchmarks to help guide your decisions. It is not saying if a player is under it, they are 100% toast. But it's you may want to think about this because honestly, through the last decade, the only player who has really resurrected himself from the grave was Devontae Adams. Was it, Devontae, that dude sucked. Devontae Adams through two years. Remember how hard was, I was on him? Oh, we we were all. And I was like, he never had a thousand yeah. yard season because he was at nine ninety seven. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was just it wasn't even just that. It was through his first two years, 
it looked terrible for him. I, I believe it was year two that Jordy tore his ACL, like right at the beginning of the year, and it was, thank goodness they have Devontae Adams. It's your time, and he did not come through. So it was, no, this is never going to work out, and now Devontae Adams over the last however long has been one of the best wide receivers in in the league. So we're going to take a look back of of what we've seen now. This is two years ago because you're collecting the data. Uh, at the top of the class, Drake London, Olave, Garrett Wilson, they're at the benchmarks. We're not worried about it. Both Christian Watson and George Pickens are sitting above the threshold. Uh, and they're volatile, definitely. It doesn't. I don't know if we're going to see them turn into studs, but we're okay. Watson and Pickens. Yes, on Christian Watson. Here's now where it gets a little sketchier. We're calling this one keep the light on because there could be some hope. So maybe if you're, they're on your roster – you're just in a hold position. Jamison Williams, he is at one. Keep the light on. He is at one point four two yards per route run, which is under the threshold we want. Again, the threshold is just a uh, kind of a, a level that you're hoping they're above. Traylon Burks, he's yeah. at one point two eight. He's a sketcher, and Wandale Robinson. He's there with Jamison Williams at one point four two. Honestly, just putting Jamison Williams with those other two guys, <laughs> it, it really. <laughs> It does not give me a lot of confidence it, uh, for well, Jamison Williams. It highlights where he Because I don't believe in those other two at all. <laughs> Keep a dim light on. You know what I mean? Like, don't, He's at the top of that group, right? It, he is no, at the, not really. He's, he's tied with Wandale, yeah. and, but Wandale was also not a first-round wide receiver, so he's, he's overperforming compared to Jamison Williams. Uh, Jahan Dotson is on the cliff. Yeah, he's of, the next tier, and it, it looks scary. And then the guys where you're just – where you – I think you can pretty accurately Say goodbye. just move on. Unfortunately, John Mechie, uh, Houston Texans, Tyquan Thornton, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore, and the Sky people. Uh, <laughs> That's I don't, us. Why are we putting Valus Jones in here? That's just mean to him. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, <laughs> and David Bell, who once upon a time was hoped to be the next guy for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, David Browns. Bell's sitting in our dynasty uh, waiver wire if anyone's interested. But we, have a, we do have a huge article coming out here uh, highlighting all the thresholds and things, but it's just, it's a metric. That's in the dynasty pass. It's in the dynasty pass. Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a metric for you to be aware of because what's nice about dynasty wide receivers when you draft them, even when they stink in their first year, more often than not, they at least hold their value. Like Sky Moore was, it was atrocious that first year, and there was so many glaring red. But signs. But now that MVS is gone, <laughs> so many oh. glaring red <laughs> signs saying. It's not going to work for Sky Moore. I know the draft capital is there. I know the team is there. It doesn't look like it's going to work. But the hope was still there. Like there were still things of you could trade Sky Moore over that first offseason. I'm not sure you're going to be able to trade Sky Moore uh, this far into the process. So be aware how a, a wide receiver where they were drafted compared to how they're performing through their first two years to help you make an, a real educated decision about do I wait this out. Or do I try and move on? You know, on? And, and I'm sure, uh, like you said in that article, to get into all the details, I think the big headline that I took away from that from practical advice was that if you pay attention to those thresholds, you know whether or not your belief in a player is is justified by the metrics or is going to be an uphill battle. Like, I think that's what fundamentally I would be saying. Like, if this player does break out and have success from this point forward, they will be doing something that is unexpected. And yes. that is saying something for 
the odds are not in their favor. Mm. Yeah, historically speaking, it, it it's it's so wild how you can look back in history and find these numbers. And you're like they still like they, they just, hold they true. hold true. Yeah. yeah, the 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 Skymore example is the example because we we knew it. We talked about these metrics yeah. about how he was on the field as a rookie quite a bit, and he was really really bad in that in that uh, you know targets per route run yards and per route yards run. per route run, and so it's like it. You know, it, it it never works out. I mean, these people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might, but <laughs> but it might work for us. Let's get that quote. Yes. Let's get that quote back in here again. People always think it, but that's the time to get out because because there were people still thinking it's gonna work. There's a Tobias Funk in your in your league right now who you can find one of these metrics and trade a wide receiver to them. Number two. All right, thanks, Brooksy. This is the Brooksy special. I call it the preseason pretenders. Don't get fooled. I give every year we get fooled. It's so hard not to. It's so hard because we're so excited for football and we want to see things. And I went back. I I I, I wrecked and we my wanna brain. Tr we want to trust people, Jason. Uh, we want to trust people, and and we want. Things to matter in the preseason. Well, we things to go on. We we watch these games. Follow the signs. We're looking for something that matters because I mean, one that's a, that's our job. Like when preseason rolls around, I'm watching these games whether I want to watch them or not, and I'm trying to look for something tangible. And and I need to remember to stop. <laughs> like <laughs> I need to stop. We do so much research through the off season. We have so much historical data. We we go through. So many training camp reports that are that are in depth and 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 long winded and watch coaching press conferences and and we develop as solid of opinions as we can based on the information we have. This last year, I was so out on Damian Pierce. I, we had like three shows where I had a tangent on how that fourth round running back. You know, it, yeah, we argued about it. Yeah, it, it just doesn't work. And and then a new regime came in and brought in a Devin Singletary, a veteran running back who's a quality back. Like, oh man, it's, I was so out sounds on. Sounds like you're talking about Kyron now, though. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> what if Devin Singletary goes to the Rams? Yeah, well, I've got two things to remember. Yeah, sorry, um, go on. So yeah, I mean, and then and then all of a sudden in a preseason game, oh. Oh, baby, 89% of C.J. Stroud's snaps at preseason week two went to Damian Pierce. He's the dude. He's going to be the pass catcher. But he was not. And I got fooled. And, Andy, thank you. I had the 12th pick in uh, that draft because I was the reigning champ. And Yeah, I took Damian the Pierce. Only thank one, you. But I was, I was totally going to take Damian Pierce. I was so, yeah. I was yeah. so angry when you yeah. took Damian Pierce because of, because of just a preseason game. And let me illustrate how the preseason well, and, and the season before, but go on. The preseason <laughs> game is not always indicative of future success. The Steelers' offense was amazing in preseason. The Steelers' first team offense had five touchdowns on five drives in preseason. They looked great. Jerome Bettis is talking about Kenny Pickett as the potential to be a superstar. But he was not a superstar. There are so many, in, you know, examples of this. Um, the the Javante Williams injury that we knew the timeline, like we yeah. knew it, we knew it couldn't work that out. That one, that one still hurts my feelings. 
we knew it's just like medically impossible for him to be be a rock star, but he got out in preseason. He played, and it was like if you now we do learn things from time to time for preseason. Um, who was the uh, Orange Julius? Julius Thomas. Yeah, Julius Thomas. Yeah. We we saw that breakout coming because of preseason utilization, uh, the tight end that year. But what it wasn't is it wasn't a change of strongly formed and informed decisions that we had made over the entire offseason. If you have a really well-informed opinion that you believe in based on a lot of evidence, don't let I'm talking to myself here. Self-meeting. Well, get, I did. Get, on my, get me on my Zoom. Tank, Tank Bigsby was another one. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, you guys, uh, you know, he had an opportunity in the preseason. Looked pretty good. I, I really want to which make plays sure into your earlier one, but that I do not overemphasize preseason that, this year. That's the key because you do need to emphasize it. It's just a matter of like in fantasy football, I think our, our tendencies, because we want stuff to talk about, is that you go from – witnessing something to making a pronouncement about it rather than just factoring it in right like you could say look i'm not really a believer in damian pierce he's looked pretty good this preseason but fundamentally this is still my concern but it's easy it's so easy to go from well we were wrong he's got a this coach loves him um but yeah i mean it is uh i'm going to de-emphasize i am because Ooh, that my natural my natural human nature will automatically emphasize everything I see. It, it was just there's just no way I I'm gonna go in and try to de-emphasize yeah. it this year. Just say in your head to say you sure about that? Yeah, with whatever you see. Every you sure about that? Yeah, yeah. sure about that. That's why. Um, okay, and it, yeah, there there are many examples of uh, situations like that. The preseason, you get vanilla offenses. Right and defense. You get vanilla defense, and you get vanilla That's... defenses, and you get different uh, first team, second teams playing each other. The, I think in in part the preseason has become less and less of an indicator over time as well. Yes. We produce the total amount of games. We don't play starters very much. Uh, we want to see different things from different players, and you go out there and you're not executing what you know a normal game plan. Yeah, looks it used like. to be the third week of the preseason. You're seeing two teams really prepare for the season with their main personnel packages now. You've got to do heavy research even to see like, wait, okay, is this player going against a first team defense or is this is, is that cornerback their 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 backup? You know, it's like Yep. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, we've got one more because we always share one at the end here. Number one. Now, Jason, you titled this one. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of the movie Remember the Titans. Yeah. And this is a this is a show about remembering. Okay. I want you to remember the turds. <laughs> Remember the turds. Remember the turds. In your league. So what are we saying? We're saying that. Uh, I don't know what we're saying. Well, we don't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we could have said it differently, I suppose. But uh, this is the reminder that the things in your league that cause you to have a bad experience, which may include a handful, a couple, single, there's all sorts of turds. Mm -hmm. uh, but if there's some managers in your league that didn't add to the experience, if there were rules in your league, league formation uh, settings, uh, week 17 or 16 or 18 championship games, sorry, week 18 title games, this is the time to kind of remember what went right, what went wrong, make the adjustments, get them in place. Maybe there's leagues that you were saying, man, I wish our league was like that league over there. Or I wish that this one manager set their lineup ever. 
this is the time to make the adjustments to uh, to boot out those turds mm-hmm. and to get things right for your league. Lace up them boots. Now, I usually uh, go with the flush. Oh, we could have flushed the turds. But I, so you guys. No, we don't. You're, you're actually like drop kicking a, a poo? Uh, I'm drop kicking it straight from the source. <laughs> <laughs> never, never hits the ground. It's incredible. That's that's quite the image. Yeah, yeah. It's a backwards kick. <laughs> oh, it's like a mule kick. Yeah, it's a mule oh, kick. Okay. Yeah, when I'm camping, okay. you gotta Wait, boot out them. What turns. do you mean when you're camping? Yeah, well, I'm not doing it at home. I got a I got a bidet. Wait, you do this for what? yourself? This is a joke. This is a joke. <laughs> no, I know. I know. He's like, stop, stop. You're the one who said camping. Well, I mean, um, where else are you gonna <laughs> kick turds? You, I mean. You doing good, Brooks? How are you doing? Oh, over there? Yeah. oh, I'm doing great. Did you learn anything from that last one? That's that was the most important one. That was definitely. Thank yeah. you, Brooks. Is there anything you uh, you needed to remember? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but is there anything from this past year that uh, like? Do you remember? You guys, how old your dynasty team is? Uh, yeah, <laughs> start to remember that. Um, just in general, not playing afraid, which is a lot of your guys' points summarized. That that's my problem. I was out of trades and. I go to it's hit ha- offer and I don't offer do. them. You know, I I think that's I think that's a good self acknowledgement because I I look at a, a s- several people in our league and it's usually the people that are hard to trade with. And I just watched I literally watched them hurt themselves. Like it's annoying. I'm annoyed that they don't accept this trade or can't trade with anybody. But like I I often <laughs> think like I feel like you're like presetting them up. Like <laughs> no, I I genuinely have had the thought before of like, dude, you you are such a coward that you don't help your team <laughs> with the trade with you no 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 oh, okay. with the, the whole league. Yeah, no, specifically yes. <laughs> all these cowards out there not taking, cowards. My, not taking my deals take, take my trade coward <laughs> that's a good trade method that's often work <laughs> what are you what are you a chicken what are you a yellow um i get too on. attached to players certain players do you but, know what that no, is? I, sure. I have that problem too brooke that's a really easy thing to do um with these long off seasons where you fall in love with certain players, it's, it's hard. It's to, my it's my beautiful fantasy baby. I found it you. feels better when you I find made, them. Yeah. I made you. <laughs> feels better when you find them and then they have success and they're yours. Yeah, no question. Um, so there you go. There's ten things to remember for this past uh, season. Uh, one more thing to remember. Uh oh, is you got a day left to get in right. on the ultimate draft kit giveaway. We are giving away a listener league entry in a couple of days here. Uh, we will be giving away someone. The first person playing in the 2024 yeah. Listener League will be known soon. and that You can join you gotta, the league and then not be a coward and trade with Jason. Yeah, don't be a coward. Trade me all your good players. <laughs> uh, a, a brave man would give me that player. <laughs> but, yeah, get the Ultimate Draft Kit at ultimatedraftkit.com. Uh, there's so much resources. It's, it's a tool you're going to want this year anyways. So get it now because it's the cheapest price and you're automatically entered in the giveaway. I do want to let people know uh, uh, an update for you, which is our Dynasty podcast, which I think is um, we're not even a year old, are we, with the not Dynasty yet. show? I, I believe we, it just, April? we just recorded our 50th episode. 50th episode. It's been very um, well received. And I want to let you know it's now available on YouTube with video. Whoa. So we made the jump on episode 50. It seemed like 50. We're like, all right, we'll um, keep Kyle and Bets 50. around. And um, I can kick. 
You can watch Jason headbang for the through the intro, mm-hmm. and you can check that out. There is a separate YouTube channel for the Dynasty Podcast, the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. So please check that out if you are somebody that enjoys it on YouTube. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us on the show. Next Tuesday, we will have free agent predictions. So that'll be your next episode unless you had to join the foot.com right now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. Join our fantasy football community on jointhefoot.com and follow us on Twitter at the FFBallers.